through school of leaders or school of ministry, which we're now talking about, uh, those of you that are graduates, particularly the first class, you'll always hear them moan a lot. Because when we first started the process and we took that first group through, I mean, it was like Paris Island around here. I mean, I mean, you are, you are coming to boot camp and, and it was, it was rigorous. And, um, and, and most of you hung around. I mean, it's amazing. We, we couldn't run you off. Y'all hung tough. And some of the things we kept and some of the things we didn't keep and we learned some things along the way and, and God worked on us and all the things that happen when you're trying to figure out how you, you make disciples because the Great Commission says to go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. Actually says discipling nations. Is that not an amazing passage? Discipling the nations. Teaching them to observe all things, Jesus said, that I have commanded you. I mean, you read that, the Great Commission, we just kind of let that blow by us, but you read those words, and they are amazing words. Disciple nations, teaching them to observe all things. Wow. Well, I don't know that any of us can say 100%, you know, that we're doing that, but that's the commission. That's, that's the vision, that's the goal, that's what we're shooting at. And so um, the principle of 12 and the things we're doing uh, particularly in this class, is is beginning the process of discipling. And years ago, we decided that we were going to attempt to be far more intentional in the way we discipled. And, and so we have a process here. Most everybody's familiar with the process. You hang around us for any length of time. You're going to hear encounter. You're going to hear journey, discovery, school of ministry. You're going to hear these things, consecrate class or weekends. And we just decided we were going to be a little bit more intentional at it. Some churches, and, and we'll talk about this some more, more or less facilitate people in their spiritual journey. I'm not saying that's evil. I'm not even saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that, that if you're, uh, well, I'll just put it to you this way. When, when your children are growing up in your house, you're not facilitating their life. Do you understand? They don't come to you and say, I decided today I don't want to eat or I don't want to go to school or I don't want to do this. And you just don't facilitate that. You look at them and say, no, you're going to eat your vegetables. You're getting up on time. You're going to school. I mean, that's how we work, right? We are intentional. We should be. We should be. If you're not intentional, what you get is whatever happens. So when it came to making disciples, I just made the determination that, you know, this may not be the latest trend. It may not be what everyone else does. But I feel like if, if we can, if we could even get a dozen. See, Jesus only went after a dozen. And with a dozen, he changed the world. And sometimes that's hard in our current culture because that's not what our, our culture values or esteems. But if we begin to be discipled and get a biblical framework and understand how the Lord did it, then I think we'll begin to see how we should do it as well. And so we started this particular process. And this is my favorite process. I'll be honest with you. The set of lessons that you're going to hear in the next 30 weeks, three 10-week sessions... I'm telling you, I am more passionate about this material than anything I'll say on Sunday morning. When I get into this stuff, I almost like Wednesday night more than I like Sunday morning, personally. Now, because I know Sunday will teach things and people will be helped. And, and there's, you know, you know, Sunday's a value. We worship the Lord. I mean, it's, it's a value. But I know that within these, these 30 lessons, I put, I put everything that God has downloaded into me 
in a, in a curriculum that you can begin to get. I've been preaching the gospel. You've heard me say this for 20, what, six years since I was 24 years old, pastored since I was 24, born again at 18, been living for God over 30 years. And I'm just telling you that if, that if, that if you'll get ears to hear and you'll have a heart to really receive, I can get you down the road with a lot more ease than it took me. Wouldn't you like to learn some things off my pain? I would think so. I would hope so. If I have a few pains and I can share with you how to stay out of that hole, I would hope you would take advantage of that. And, and so that's, that's why I'm excited about this. And, and you can literally be downloaded, uh, really, this, the Spirit of God uh, as he's helped me through the years. Am I a perfect pastor, human being, Christian? Absolutely not. Um, but I'm, I am down the road. And I can help you get at least a little further down the road. And then maybe you'll get someone more perfect to help you get a little further down the road. But, but that's why we do this. Now, um, Maria, Gabriel, everyone knows Maria, right? She's our trusted, trusted right-handed administrator. And, uh, and, and she will be the person you're going to interact with a lot. If, if you're taking this for credit. Now, some of you are here because you're just doing this for your personal benefit, and that's great, and I'm glad you're here, and it will be a personal benefit. Some of you will want to do this for what I call credit. And what I mean by that is, is that there are some things we're going to ask of you as you go through this course in order to navigate it toward a more visible or definable ministry opportunity within this local church. And you're going to understand why we do that in a, in a fuller way as we get to those lessons. But, but there are th- certain things that we will, we will ask of you, and, and it's not like you're going to college or seminary or anything, but one of the things um, we have, and Maria, I don't know if you have a couple people that will help you, but why not, if you want to do it yourself, that's great, or if you want to have a couple people help you. But if you, th- if you think you'd like to do this for real, no, I'm just kidding. If you would like to do this with, with the intention of really navigating it to a place where where maybe some doors of ministry could open to you, then you'll definitely want to get one of these pieces of paper that says School of Ministry Trimester 1 Requirements for Graduation. And I'm going to talk about this, so don't let anything on this paper, you know, scare you, frighten you, put the spirit of fear on you. I break the spirit of fear, for God hath not given you a spirit of fear, right? But a power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we're going to talk about that page in just a moment. If, if you know you're already here because you're just... You're in, you just enjoy instruction, and, and you enjoy Wednesday nights, and I'm glad you're here, and I want you to keep coming, all right? And God loves you and has a plan for your life, but, but we, we're going to use this for dual purposes. We're going to use this to teach the people at large, and we're going to use this to help people uh, be trained in uh, potential ministry opportunities as they are expressed in this local church. Now... As you're getting those, wave, wave. If, if we don't have enough, we'll, we've got our copier working again. Hallelujah. I had to lay hands on it really hard. In Jesus' name. But we got it working again. I want to reach you a couple passages here, and then we're going to move through this um, rapidly. But I just want to lay some foundations for discipleship. If I were to ask you right now, how many of you want to be a disciple? I mean, I, I know you're a believer, but you know there's a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. I mean, I'll just shock you. The devils believe. Wow. Devils are believers. That's what James said. 
So we need to watch our vocabulary. Sure, belief in Jesus Christ is where it starts. But there comes a place where we determine that we're going to be discipled in his ways. And, and those are the ones that God uses as, as nation changers, world changers. He uses disciples. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in 2 Timothy 2 and maybe in Titus, um, Paul writes to Timothy who pastored the church at Ephesus. And, um, of course, these passages have to deal with uh, traditionally what we've called elders, deacons, overseers. And, and people get all wound up in titles. And can I just do this? I'm going to do this. We're going to come back to it as well. But I break title mentality. Golly bum. Just let's be servants. All right? Let's just be, just, you know, the titles will come. Just let's be, worry about being servants first. Uh, you know, all through the years, you know, I've, I've watched. I've watched somebody get a title, and then they get a brain cramp. And you know, they're perfectly good worker, labor in the field, loving God cooperative. And then you give them a title and they just go berserk. And so we've just kind of laid off the title stuff and, and just trying to get to the servant stuff. But in first Timothy three, one through 12, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read those whole passages, but basically what Paul begins to outline for Timothy is some of the character qualities that need to be exhibited in those that are stepping up to the plate to oversee. The literal Greek word is Episcopio. It really means the one who watches over. And, and when you're in ministry, sometimes you're doing a ministry. You, you actually got your hands on it. You're working it or you're, maybe you're organizing it or you're, you're the one that's doing it. But there are other times that maybe someone's linking up with you and then you've got to oversee something. You know, if you're a nursery director, uh, you know, Rachel's got to fill out schedules and make sure people are showing up and, you know, making sure kids are changed and, you know, they're fed and whatever, you know, babies do. You got to make sure that they're tended to. Well, th- she's got some oversight that has to come. And, and, and so as we go through all of this, while it is true that these passages are taught with regards to top tier uh, leadership in, in the church, these precepts that come out of these passages really deal with what it means to begin to be an overseer because when you oversee something, you have influence. Amen? You're influencing people. And so Paul said in these passages, he said there are certain things that you've got to carry by way of character. If you, if you don't, it undermines your influence. Come on, we've all worked for a boss, haven't we, that just didn't have a lick of character. Maybe they didn't have any skills. Maybe they, didn't, they weren't qualified for the job. And isn't that just a frustrating thing? When you, when you just, you know, and you're a Christian, and of course you know Romans 13 and about obeying authority, and so you're obeying authority and you're honoring authority. But it just, it just is hard when you've got a goober that's over you. Isn't it true? I mean, I'm just telling the truth. Well, here's the key. This is the anti-goober class. We're going to de-goober you. All right? Because your influence needs to extend and, and be solid. And, and so 1 Timothy 3 has some of those things concerning overseers. I, I, I can't read it or I'm going to run out of time. 2 Timothy, uh, the same way. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I just want to run here real quick to make sure I know what I'm running past. Chapter 2, excuse me, 2 Timothy 2, 
Um, oh, but I do want to read these passages. It says, you therefore my son. And one of the first lessons we're going to come to in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about what it means to be a son and a daughter in the house. Paul called Timothy his son. He wasn't his biological son. He was a spiritual son. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And he says, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to who? Say it real loud. Who? Who? Now, he didn't say gifted, did he? Isn't that amazing? He didn't say anointed, did he? No, he didn't. Didn't even say skilled. Now, I'll tell you, it's nice to have gifted people. It's nice to have anointed people. It's nice to have skilled people. But I'll tell you right now, those items will not carry you to the finish line. It's faithful people. You can go a lot farther with a faithful person than with a skilled person. You know, if, if, if the skilled person doesn't show up, what good does their skill do you? Maybe the faithful person only does it three-quarters as good as the skilled person does. But if he's there, how many of you know that's better? Faithful. He said, commit these to faithful men or women who will be able to do what? Teach others also. So we're finding here sort of the strategy that Paul tells Timothy in the church of Ephesus how discipling is going to begin to take place. Now, here in your notes, I'm going to walk through these concepts. And there are several things that we just, we just underscore right at first about being a disciple. And again, when you're dealing with 30 weeks of instruction, we're going to come back and we're going to explore all of this in a real meaningful, deep, and important way. But, but uh, I, I want to put a couple things out so you understand, especially those of you that are going through it for, for real or for credit or however you want to explain it, um, that you know what kind of we're signing up for and, and, and hopefully you'll step up to the challenge. I want everyone here that has graduated from School of Leaders uh, to, talk, to just raise your hand, wave at me real quick. See, now, a lot of these, thank you very much. You put your hand down. Thank you very much, because some of you were in the first class. I don't remember who was in those first classes and who was in the second one. But let me tell you something. You guys, I'll go to war with you, man. I mean, you, 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 you walk through that stuff, and I appreciate you, and, and I know that you have snickered at me as I have tried to make this more accessible to more people. Um, but uh, you know what? But you're looking, I guess what I'm saying is to those who are going through again or those who are going through for the first time, don't be discouraged. You look around at someone and say, wow, if they made it, I can do this. See, I'm not pointing at anybody. You notice I was pointing over here. Because <laughs> you can pick your own person right there. All right, here's, here's some of the things, though, you're going to have to embrace. Number one is faithfulness. Faithfulness. The first quality of a disciple is that they're there. You can't be discipled if you're not there. you got to be faithful. Faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Those are the words Jesus is going to utter as we come into his kingdom. Faithful. So you must commit to being faithful. And this is what we ask. Now, again, these are, these are credit for credit, folk. And, and we ask that you be present at least eight of the ten classes per trimester. That means you get two unexcused absences. You can, if you just want to stay home and do your tanning bed, you have two unexcused absences. You may get skin cancer, and we'll have to get that healed. But, well, but 
Because you can make those two classes up through the CD or maybe the DVD, iTunes. But here's what we ask. If you're in this for credit, you you need to begin to uh, ask permission above two whether you can be gone or not. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is so foreign to the church to ask someone's permission to not be somewhere. It is foreign. We say, well, you know, I'm going to control my life. I'm not trying to control your life. I'm just trying to get you to a class on time. Controlling your life is when I tell you what grocery store to go shop at. That's controlling your life. Come on now. We're just talking about developing manners. Not being rude. Because you see, if you can't, if you can't begin to say, hey, I'm not going to be able to be there. We've got something going on. And not be able to do that. How are, how are you going to function in a ministry when we're counting on you to be there and you just don't show up? And we wonder where you are. Where are they at? And then you come in and go, oh, I'm sorry. I just thought, you know, I thought God would give you a word of knowledge on that. Or... No, he didn't. He didn't on this one. So faithfulness. If you aren't here yet, this is what's good about going through something like this. You can begin to put into motion some things you've always wanted to see in your life. For instance, getting to church weekly, starting to participate in cell. Starting to tithe and believe God as you honor him in all first things. These are all basic level expectations for those who wish to oversee ministry in a local church. I just We're going to get to this later, but I'm telling you, the Bible says that, that, that to not recognize God in the tithe produces a curse. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want to link up with people who are under a curse. Sorry. You can, you can live your life any way you want to live it. I'm not going to come run you down. Nobody's going to come hound you about your giving. Nobody's going to do that. That's between you and the Lord, but I don't have to link up with it. Are you following me? You're free to do what you want, and I'm free to do what I want, right? That's a two-way street there. So so this is a moment because because don't you want a pastor who's under an open heaven? I I would hope so. I want a pastor that's under an open heaven. I want one who knows how to rebuke the devourer and take the curse off the land. I want one. Well, you know what? I want to link up with people like that. Now, Believe me, I understand that not everyone in a local church is functioning under every precept. But this is the place we begin to sow these things into people and say, hey, come on, step on up and be faithful. Number two, authority. You must commit to and understand spiritual authority. Now, we're going to ask you to read a couple different books in this 30-week time period. They are great books. One of them will be Undercover, and we'll talk more about that later. Our whole second trimester has to deal with authority, and it will be a wonderful experience for you to laugh and to see yourself and to see how God works through authority. And, and it is one of our strong suits, I believe, in this local church, and we've really taken a lot of time to build that. And, and we want you to function under it, not just because we like cooperation, but we like the blessings of God in the house as well. Everybody needs to be under authority. Everybody needs to be under authority. Um, and to be a team player, it's important that you develop a, a submitted heart as well as an obedient will. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that and spend a lot of weeks and so into you. And uh, you're going to like it. Amen. Three, discipline. You may never have thought about this before, but disciple is the root word of discipline or vice versa. I don't know which way it goes, but discipline may be the root word of disciple. 
So to be a disciple means what? You've got some disciplines in your life. Your whole life we're going to challenge in the area of disciplines, body, soul, and spirit. We're going to ask certain things. Number one, that you be on time. Everyone give me an amen, on time. You know, I mean, I, I may, you know, I may be long-winded on occasion, <laughs> on, a, on every occasion. Um, but I, one thing you can say about pastor, I, I, there's not many times I'm going to start off time. I'm on time. And uh, we just want to develop an on-time mentality. So you need to be on time for class. Be on time for worship. A disciple worships. Come on, you need to be in here when, when Laura and the worship team start cranking it up. The disciples need to be here. Hey, disciples are nation changers. We're the influencers. We're the leaders. We're the ones saying, hey, come on. Paul said this. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Could you say that? Follow me as I follow Christ. Well, that's what we're working on. We want to be able to say those kinds of things. We're also going to be, as you'll see on this, we're going to be memorizing Scripture. And getting God's word in your spirit. People go, you mean I'm coming to church and you're making me memorize scripture? Imagine that. Yeah, we just don't pass out donuts and coffee. Why would we do that? Because the Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you well how do you keep from sinning against god now hear me because i get i get people that just get paralyzed they just they freak out they go oh i can't memorize okay try try it's not like i'm going to put an a or a b on this thing and send it back to you and you get a report card at the end of the deal i'm not doing that Listen, try. You never know until you try. Just put, people, put your verses on your rearview mirrors or your your refrigerators or the the mirrors in your bathroom and just start saying them out loud. Just week after week. We just have a verse or two, week after week after week. Look at the first one, John 3, 16. Have mercy. And I added verse 17 because I wanted to challenge you. And there'll be people go, well, I think I could get by that verse 16, but that's 17, I don't know. Come on, come on. I used to, no joke, we would travel in a, in a bus raising money for the college that uh, I attended. And, and most of us were aspiring preachers in the bus. And we get about 10 of us in a circle. And when you're driving from Kansas City to Fargo, North Dakota, I'm telling you, man, that's about a 14-hour trip in a bus. And we'd play this game every week because we did this every weekend. And we, we, what we did is we'd have to quote verses until someone, someone couldn't quote anymore. And then you were out. And then it started again. And we, we just played this game until, until finally someone was, you know, the winner. And what we did was then the, then the week before we would go out on the trip, we'd be, we'd be memorizing our brains out because we wanted to win I don't know why we're just we were just, we were religion majors. We just weird, you know. We prayed all night and did things like that too. So we're just weird. But you know what? God used that silly game we played on weekends to put God's word in my heart. That and, and 
I'm going to say this, although I never thought of it, but my wife will call out and say, honey, where's that verse found in the Bible? She'll call me up from home and go, honey, where's that verse in the Bible I'm trying to find? And I can usually be within just a, if I don't get it head on, I'm within a a couple of verses of the location. And I usually, yeah, what side of the page and all those kinds of things, because I know the type of Bible she uses. Listen, you, you don't get that because someone laid hands on you. You don't get that because you took your Bible home tonight and you started sleeping on it as you absorbed the word. No, you got it because you cracked it open, you read it, and you worked at it. It is work. Study to show yourself approved. A workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You got to be a workman, right? Okay, discipline. Prayer. We're going to ask folks to pray and intercede. Now, now this is on your honor. Uh, at least two hours a week for souls, the local church, and global outreach. Two hours a week, I think I figured up to be, what, 15 minutes a day. Hey, can, you, can we turn the TV off for 15 minutes a day and pray? 15 minutes is a day just to pray. Now, you, you'll be on your honor. No one, the prayer police are not, you know. <laughs> this is the prayer police. No, that's not going to happen. But we want you to begin to develop a lifestyle of praying. We also are giving the expectation for those who, who are aspiring to ministry to be at pre-service prayer at 930 on Sunday morning. And again, at, you know, when we first did this, we really were like the police, man. We would go after you, dude. I mean, we were on it. I mean, and uh, I don't know, I probably offended a few people along the way doing it that way. So we've decided we're not going to force, we don't force people to be there. But you know what? It's amazing. Um, I'm a little like, I'm, I'm a little like Santa Claus. I know who's naughty. And I know who's nice. And it's amazing how, and I keep a list and I check it twice. Yeah. Okay. Because, because that's, that's what influence is about. Being there. Being in the hunt. Number five, holiness. You are committing to an uncommon place in the body if you have aspirations to be in any kind of ministry. That means no involvement in anything immoral, illegal, or unscriptural. I, I, can, I can tell you for a fact that I have more conversations and have had more conversations through the years of people and their disappointment. Number one, they've had pastors that have disappointed them because pastors have not demonstrated some character quality that they would have considered to be important. And I understand that sometimes pastors get a bad rap. I mean, they're human beings too, but, but, but there's an expectation. But I can tell you this, I, I, there's been, there's been un, uncountable meetings I've had with people who have shared with me things about those that had influence, leadership, or visibility within the life of a church, and they've seen them behind the scenes, or they've seen them at their home, or they've seen them someplace. And because... Because their character was not in order, their influence in people's lives were gone. Now, one of the things that, that it's just, it's my horse. I admit it. Uh, people know it if you've been around here long. But one of my horses is the use of alcohol. Now, I, I understand because people come, well, Jesus turned water into wine. Oh, no, no I never read that verse. Paul said, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Well, you must have some chronic issues. 
I, but I know that verse is in there. So, so let me be the first one to say out loud, I understand that to find absolute abstinence in the scriptures, you know, there's going to be a debate. I can show you numerous verses that talk about uh, the use of alcohol and then going into the presence of God and how God forbids it and he calls it an abomination. But nonetheless, uh, I have just reached the point because I know what a stumbling block it is in people's lives. I've seen it wreck lives, destroy households. I have seen the addictive qualities of this. I don't understand why people participate in this stuff. Can I just tell you this? This is just to get off on my horse here a little bit because I always feel better when I ride this a little bit. Is that in, in Bible times, do you understand what it took to even get drunk in Bible times was they had to drink and purge? In other words, they drank, 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 and then they had to purge so their body would retain the alcohol but get rid of the, the, the fruit, and then they'd keep drinking, and that's how they would eventually get drunk. So for you to even begin to say that if they had, let's say, three glasses of wine because the water in that day was unsanitary at their mealtime and that you could drink three glasses of what we do today is somehow apples for apples, you're not, you're not thinking biblically here. Are you following me? It, it, it would take, it would take, I'm not joking, I think it was eight to one, I read, eight to one to be a comparable apples for apples situation. And so if these areas, if that's important to you, if, if drinking's important to you, then, then there's no condemnation in, in it, God bless you, it, it's America, you're free, but, but, I'm, uh, but I don't link up with it. That's, that's just me. I've just seen too much destruction in that. You ever notice how it gets quiet when you talk about that subject? I think that's great. In America, they need to hear this. And I've become more determined, even though I am the lone fish going upstream, I feel, at times. Me and Stafford, that's right. Now, again, it's not like we run down and, and, and we police all this, but I will assure you the Holy Ghost has a way of, of dealing with all of this. Anyway, amen. I've had people go, well, you know, if you have NyQuil, it has more alcoholic content than my wine. Well, go, well then go drink your NyQuil. Have, go. If it's that important to you, have at it. If it's that important to you. Is that important? God bless you. Don't, don't, don't do it because of me. If it's that important to you, God bless you. But if you want to link up with someone who's out to change a region and a nation, that's who I link up with. I just don't have time for it. It just... It just Okay, sexual purity is expected. It includes internet use, guys, romance novels, ladies, movies, television. And we'll teach on this in the next 30 weeks. And you're going to understand why this is. Why, why is it that God calls us when we have influence to a different standard? We'll, we'll talk about this and it'll make sense. Number six is servanthood. A leader does what needs to be done in order for the ministry to move forward. A leader is willing to do things at times even though they don't feel called to do it. And, and so, you know, we're really going to ask. And, and when we put out, for instance, I was really encouraged because Tammy, by the way, Tammy Milligan left a message and said there were several people that came and volunteered on their own to help. And I think she said she had one slot left to fill, but she was very happy and, and, and so I was encouraged by that to hear that people voluntarily stepped up 
and started to do that. But there are going to be times we're going to make a call and you need to have something in your heart that says, I'll do whatever it takes to get it done. And I'm going to talk about servanthood. I can't tell you all my servanthood stories, but, but you know, even to this day, I mean, everybody, you know, Tim knows, Tim, Tim knows I hang on ladders and I'm not called to the ladder ministry, man. I'm just, he knows I've, I've had my arms in paint and grunt and fixing toilets. And if you ever tried to hug a toilet and change one of those things underneath, and when you get underneath that thing, at just that moment, all that stuff falls on you right there. And I'm not called to that, by the way. But I, I do it. I'm not called to it when I go out and pick up trash in that parking lot. I'm not called to it, but we do it. We do it. The other day, we had a babysitter that couldn't come because they had a sickness. And uh, I looked... I think you looked at Tyler, and Tyler ran in there, and he was babysitting kids in the middle of the week. I mean, I mean, it was hilarious. Babies. We're talking babies with Tyler. That, that's, that's a TV show made to order right there. But you know, he, he can say, well, I don't know that I'm called to do it. Well, you are right now. I'm calling you. Yea, saith the Lord, you are now called today to do this. If you need a call, I'll fix you up. So a leader looks for ways to serve people in practical ways. Volunteering to set up, take down, clean up, make coffee, sweep floors, pick up trash, all those kinds of things. All right. And then unity. Unity. And these are such great lessons. I'm, all these lessons that you're going to get, I mean, they're just bubbling up in me right now. Can we just stay like 24, 30 hours? No. Okay. All right. Cindy said no. That, I, I said Cindy said no. Randy, Randy says, go for it, Pastor. All right, appreciate that. All right. Um, it's because Cindy's, well, I can't go there. All right. I can't go there. I was going to gig you, but I'll let it go. All right. Unity, though. Unity is important in any ministry. So this is just a no-strife zone. And we just do our best to address strife. We want to be kind and compassionate. I really think we do a much better job. We've, we've, we've learned through the years, and I believe we, we do a way better job. But, but we need to seek to be at peace. And no strife of any kind should be allowed to fester. You, you, you've got to begin to develop a spirit of unity and cooperation. We're going to learn to forgive 70 times 7. Learn to live offense-free. I'll just tell you by way of personal testimony, a leader will never go very far being unable to live without offense and bitterness. If you think, if you, think you had multiple reasons to be offended at just, just an everyday, ordinary uh, believer, but, but you have dreams and a destiny and, and you aspire to do something more for God, I'm just telling you, get ready. Your offense levels are going to go up and you're, and you're going to have so much more opportunity to get aggravated because you know what? I'm, let's show a little secret. We work with people. And there's no way around it. People will aggravate you. You say, Pastor, do people aggravate you? Yes. But the love of God is shed abroad in your heart and the compassion comes. And, and I just remind myself at times, I just say, oh Lord, what you must see what you must see. So if you can be patient, I can be patient. But we're going to have to learn to forgive 70 times 7, live offense-free, uh, because that's just going to be a part of being a leader. Here in the next two minutes, I have just the Ten Commandments of the School of Leaders. I, I, I guess I forgot to uh, tweak that, uh, Maria. It should have been the School of Ministry. 
So, number one, thou shalt be punctual. If thou art tardy, yea, even three times, it shall be equal to one absence. Thou shalt have completed journey and counter discovery for being considered a school of ministry graduate. Thou cannot lead unless thou hast been led. Therefore, connect group attendance is very important to participate in. Thou shalt not put another conference, seminar, or service ahead of school of ministry. Thou shalt bring your Bible, your pen, and your notebook with thee and learn to take notes. This is really an important, this is an important thing I'm about ready to say. A long pencil is better. No, excuse me. A short pencil is better than a long memory. All right. I got it right. I lost the impact because I messed it up. Number seven, thou shalt read all thy books that thou art assigned. Number eight, thou shalt not lie on any report thou art asked to hand in. Number nine, verily each session shall begin with scripture memorization reports to demonstrate thyself approved unto God. Which means, as folks know, you need to get here about 6.15 or 6.20 and uh, Maria or someone will be out there in the foyer and they'll be handing out these sheets and you can just write it down real quick and, and hand it in. And you say, well, what if I don't have it all? Write down what you got. No one's calling you up and, and getting after you. We're getting you in a practice. Now, I don't want my saying that to cause you to blow it off. But at the same time, I, I, you know, I've just learned people seize up when you say memorization. They just go, oh. but, but hey, but you can memorize the top 10 most popular songs in America. I mean, that's amazing to me. Just put the scripture to a song, you know. Just, you know. And number 10, thou shalt not attempt to teach the class, but remember thou art here to learn. Amen. All right. Well, it's about that time. Let me, um, because I'm going to be real good about being faithful with your time. You'll see on that sheet that we handed out for, for requirements Next week now, or I should say all of this week, from Wednesday to next Wednesday, you start memorizing John 3.16. Listen, you ought to know John 3.16. That ought to be a given. Whatever version you read, just memorize it out of that version. But just add verse 17 to it, John 3.16 and 17, and that's what your assignment is for this week. Also, your Bible reading is in there, and so I want you to begin to read through the Psalms. And if you aren't used to having a daily Bible reading time, we're going to help you get started this week by reading those psalms, and there's a number of psalms, and you read them in seven days. You don't have to go home and read them all tonight. That's seven days worth of reading on, under week one, and you can get started with that. We also put down just a few exercises here we want you to do. And, and you can see it says, write three notes of encouragement to people who do not go to legacy or do not know the Lord. The purpose of these are to get you to break out of your boundaries and just begin to uh, reach out to people and be an encouragement to people. Start connecting with people. Start developing relationship with people. Now, again, these evangelism exercises go through the whole 10 weeks. So those three notes have to happen sometime in the next 10 weeks. Help us, Jesus, if we can't find three people to send an encouraging note to in 10 weeks. Number two, this is in 10 weeks, to intentionally, verbally, to just say, God bless you to a cashier, to some wait staff, to people you interact with. Why do, why do we do this? Is because we're trying to get you to the place where you can open up and have a God conversation with somebody. Are you following me? 
I, I mean, all of us kind of seize up when it comes to witnessing because we say to ourselves, how am I going to do this? I just can't just go, do you know Jesus? I mean, it's just that this doesn't work that way. So what do I do? Well, why don't you just start with your some little cashier or wait staff and just say, God bless you. Thanks a lot. You would be amazed at how they'll pick up on that and they'll start a conversation. We were at IHOP with Billy Hunt. And I don't know what happened. This sweet little girl was waiting on us. And something got said, like, God bless you or something. And, and instantly, bang, she was in that conversation talking about the Lord, wanting to know where we were from and what was going on. So it, 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 it's really a lot easier sometimes than we think it is. So just in the next 10 weeks, God bless you. All right? And then in 10 weeks, three people, again, not in legacy, is there anything I can pray for you about? Some of you have friends that need a lot of prayer. So that should be easy. But this is all the beginning. This is all the intentionalization of discipling. How do we make disciples? Well, there may be other ways to do it. Some may do it better. I don't know. But this is the way we have found to be really good for who we are. So I hope you take the journey. If not... That's cool. God loves you. He has a plan for you. I want you to keep coming and keep listening and hearing, and you'll still keep receiving, and God will expand you and enlarge you, and good things will happen in your life. But, but I'll be able, I think, next week to talk a little bit more about how we build in people. And, and when you hear that, in fact, probably the next two or three weeks as they all crunch in together, we're going to put some things together that you're going to have an aha moment, and you're going to say, now I understand why pastor does what he does. And, and that'll explain all my weirdness and ways. And think about that. In just, in just three weeks, you can figure me out. All right. Amen. Stand with me, will you? I'm going to pray for you and cut you loose. I want to ask one more time, how many want to be a disciple? I mean, do you want to be? I want to be a disciple. Father, you see the hearts of these, your people. They're your people, Lord. And, uh, you're calling them to something great. All of, their, all of their vocations, their calls, their futures, their purposes, Lord, they're all different, but at the same time, they're all uh, kingdom appropriate. That whatever you've called them to do or wherever you've placed them, you've, you've commissioned them to be kingdom-minded in order to be of influence and impact for your ways and your work and your purposes in the earth. First, obviously, salvation. But after that, to disciple nations, teaching them to observe everything you've taught us. So, Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, we would just arise, that there would be something positive in our spirit that would cause us to arise right now. It would be you, O oh God, that would help us realize that we are more than able to step in and to do something like this. We, we, we have you in us that will help us succeed, that will help us prevail. And Lord, I pray right now that that spirit of optimism would come upon each person that is here tonight. Lord, we want to be nation shakers, world changers. So Lord, let us get that spirit in these next weeks as we listen to your word and we hear it taught and pray and all the things we're going to do. Lord, let, it, let, the, let the seeds of greatness begin to be sowed into all of our spirits, I ask in Jesus' name. And all the assembly said, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, let's give the Lord a hand and then, um, and then God bless you. I'm glad again you're here tonight and Sunday's going to be a great day. So we'll see you on the Lord's Day, Resurrection Sunday. You're released.